the medallion, chapter 33. Corvin stared down at the map. This man was planning to poison men who had made the mistake of eating Lumion seeds. They didn't deserve to die that way, even if this man thought they were about to invade Kadir. You may be thinking that our own youth would start eating our Lumion seeds and our city would be lost again. But we have solved the age-old problem of people consuming the Lumions. Reaching up, he caressed the globe that hung over the table on a metal hook, and it began to glow. We have developed our own Lumion, a hybrid that will finally end the desire for the seeds. Corvin reached out and touched the soft skin of the orb. The power within aroused the familiar desire. This man was wrong. People would still want to eat the seeds of these Lumions. The man was studying him. Men still desire it, but the flesh does not satisfy, and the seeds... He came around the table and stood in front of Corvin. The vines you pass through to get into our dwelling, do you know what they can do to you? I was told they burn you, Corvin said. Yes, and once the burning starts, it does not stop until there is no living tissue left. It took a long time, but we successfully grafted those vines into our Lumian plants. He cupped the lighted globe in his hand. The result is a Lumian seed that will burn you from the inside out. Just one taste is certain death. Sorrow darkened his face. We lost a number of our foolish young men to an agonizing end before the rest learned their lesson and abandoned any thought of ever trying a Lumian seed. But won't the Rakash learn the same lesson and destroy any seeds you plant out there? The new Lumians were our answer to stopping our own people from eating the seeds. It succeeded, but we cannot replant Kate Elba with our new Lumians until we first remove all the Rakash. It took her a long time to find the way, but she has distilled a very potent poison made from our own Lumian plants. One vial is all it will take to poison the pool of the elixir. That is why we need you. You have proven you possess the ability to work in the darkness, and you are also small enough to make it through the shafts that lead into the library. But how do you know the poison will affect the Rakash in the same way as other humans? The Lumians change their bodies, you can see that. What if your poison just makes them stronger? The man stared at him a long moment and then put a hand on his shoulder. I had not considered the possibility that the Rakash might be able to mutate our poison within their bodies. I need to ask my wife about that possibility. He turned for the far side of the room. Someone coughed. The girl he had rescued from the Rakash boy stood next to the table. Her hair had been crudely cut off and she wore a drab brown tunic that was much too big for her. It was tied around her waist with a red rope that hung down in a loop and up to the other end in her hands. She gave him a faint smile. Her large, all-dark eyes reminded him of the rabbits behind the barren store that would watch him from their wire cages as he passed by on his way to school. The man brushed past Corvin, strode toward her, and began talking in a soft voice. The girl's eyes went to the floor as she mumbled to thank him. The man took her hands and spread them apart. A metal ball fell to the floor and bounced with clear, bell-like tones. The man turned her around and pushed her gently away. Her shoulders drooped as she moved back under the balcony, the round metal ball following her on its red cord, bouncing out a random tune. The musical ball and rope must be her punishment for going out into the dark cavern with those boys. She was now a prisoner in her own home. She glanced back, her tears falling freely on her tunic. He raised a hand to wave goodbye, but the man stepped between them. Corvin dropped his hand to his side. Tika wished to express her gratitude to you for saving her from the Rakash. It is good of her to be thankful, but at this time she is not allowed out in the hall. It would not go well with her if she were discovered here. He sighed and pointed at the painted faces overhead. As the ancients taught us, at times we must be cruel to be kind. The concern in his eyes betrayed a conflicting thought. 
The man walked under the balcony and down a short corridor. Reaching the end, he unlocked a door, stepped inside, and unlocked a second one with a different key. Light poured through the opening, momentarily blinding Corvin's sensitive eyes. The inside of the room was set up like the power station in Anamir, but on a much smaller scale. Three Lumians were tied over a circular stone table, their restraining bonds terminating in shallow metal bowls. A woman in a long blue coat sat on a stool at a table against the wall, carefully measuring vials of liquid on a scale. Upon seeing them enter, she jumped to her feet, her gaunt face so intense that both Corvin and the man stopped in their tracks. Even you are not allowed to bring unauthorized people into this room, she said. I have found a replacement who can take the poison to the Rakesh. The woman drew close to Corvin, her eyes searching his. All the others of his sex have failed. Tika is the one I have chosen. I do not agree, the man's voice was soft. Our daughter is too easily swayed by her emotions. We saw it again with those boys convincing her to steal the key to the back entry. This one will not fail. He hates the Rakesh as much as we do. Why? The woman leaned in until her nose was almost touching his. What have the Rakash done to you? They are holding my father prisoner in that building. She stepped away and turned to the man. He tells the truth, but you can clearly see that he... Yes, I can see the strength in him, the man said. I believe he has what it will take to save his father's life. The woman frowned and pulled the man away to the corner of the room. Corvin couldn't make out the words, but he heard the name of their daughter, Tika. The man became more subdued as she talked. When she stopped, he nodded and walked out the door without saying anything to Corvin. The woman returned to Corvin, a forced smile on her face. He needs to go find our daughter. These days she is prone to getting into trouble and does not appear to have learned her lesson. She turned back to her workbench and searched through the racks of vials arranged along the wall. He tells me you have identified a problem with our plan to eliminate the Rakash from the cavern of Kateelba. I need your assistance with a test on the young Rakash we captured after you rescued our daughter. Picking out one vial of clear liquid, she held it out. Would you mind carrying this for me? I am not as steady on my feet these days, and it takes only a drip for the burning to begin. Corvin reluctantly took the vial and followed her into the hallway, walking as smoothly as he could. The fluid sloshed back and forth in the tube, and its scent hit his nostrils, along with an instantaneous urge to take a sip. How stupid was that? Her potion would kill him, and yet he still wanted to risk a taste. He wished he could look away from the vial, but he had to keep it from spilling. The woman stopped and unlocked a door. The girl you rescued stole this key, but none of the young men that tricked her into taking it returned. There is no remorse in her voice. She was chased back to the door by a young Rakash, but fortunately for her, he fell into one of our traps. She turned and opened the door into pitch darkness. Reaching inside her cloak, she brought out an orb and shook it. Swirling pinpoints of light appeared, like a snow globe full of tiny stars. Stay close. The Rakash rarely travel alone, but they also have young ones who foolishly seek adventure in the wrong places. This one will soon be sorry he did. She held the light lower. And make sure you watch your step. Corvin looked down. The entire floor was a honeycomb of octagonal pits with narrow ridges between them. The woman worked her way out on one of the ridges, leaving Corvin to concentrate both on where his feet were going in the deepening shadows and also on making sure the liquid did not spill. She stopped a few pits ahead and held the light high. Corvin picked his way over to the edge. The young Rakash Corvin had injured at the river huddled at the bottom of the pit. His head came up and his nostrils flared. Yes, the woman said softly. You can smell it, can't you? Sightless eyes looked up at them. The Rakash's bony shoulder was smeared with dried blood and his arm hung limply at his side. A soft sound escaped blue lips like a kitten crying for its milk. 
Corvin's jaw clenched. That could be him down there, another stupid kid who thought he was strong enough to handle the power of the seeds. He looked away and found the woman watching him intently. This one killed our children. Do not pity him. If you were to fall in, he would tear you to pieces. He is as good as dead already, and that blame rests with the gatehouse. The light moved closer to Corvin's face. Here, hold this. I have a cord we can use. Corvin took the snow globe light and stared at the tiny stars. It was like looking into a night sky at home. His heart ached afresh, but it wasn't from a desire for Lumians. He would give anything to be safely back with his parents and Kate and far away from the core. Careful, the woman said as she tied a thin cord around the neck of the vial and took the poison from his hand. Corvin looked out into the darkness. He couldn't hate someone who had made the same mistake and given in to the temptation. He couldn't even hate the Rakash leader for abducting his father. He was also being manipulated by others for their own ends. Besides, the Rakash leader helped him escape the gatehouse and his love for his daughter Lena was still evident. Corvin returned from his thoughts to find that the woman had already lowered the vial toward the long, grasping fingers. She stopped with it just out of reach. I will warn you only once, she spoke into the pit, but the young Rakash kept his empty gaze fixed on the vial of spinning light just overhead. This will most certainly kill you. If you decide to drink it, then the Rakash sprang up, grabbing the vial and gulping the liquid, its blue tongue searching the glass for every last drop. Growling, the Rakash smashed the empty vial on the ground and then leapt straight at them, nearly reaching the lip of the pit before he fell back with a bone-crunching crash. He was gathering himself for another leap, but instead dropped down, rocking back and forth on his haunches. The Rakash wrapped both arms around his stomach and rolled on his side with a cry of anguish. Corvin turned away from the pit, his stomach churning. No matter what a person had done, no one deserved to die like that. A groan from the pit fell away to silence. The woman moved in beside Corvin and held her light up to his face. As always, they refuse the warning. That is why they all must die. There is no hope for those who consume the light of Illumian. They will never stop until the core is completely dark and everyone has perished. What do you mean, as always? You said you were testing it to make sure it worked. The light pushed closer to his face. This test was about you. I already knew it could kill the Rakash. What I needed to be certain of was that you would have the conviction to take it to them and not be tempted by it yourself. Her face darkened as she glanced back. That one deserved death for his crime against Tika and his murder of our boys. Justice has been served. Corvin stared at the woman. He would rescue his father, but he did not want to be part of her vengeance against the Rakash. It wouldn't work anyway. When the first one gets his portion of the elixir and dies in agony, the rest will not drink it. She faced him, balancing lightly on the ridge. That vial was extremely potent and the effects quick so that you would understand the Rakash will certainly die. However, when you mix one vial into the pool, the potion will be diluted. All will drink, but the poison will take much longer to work. Some of our test cases have taken almost a full segment to die, but they all perished in the end. As the woman led Corvin back toward the laboratory door, the young, Rakash boy's final groans echoed in Corvin's mind. If they took a long time to die with a smaller dose of the poison, they must be in terrible pain the whole time. He would not be part of this woman's scheme, but he still needed her help to get inside the Rakash prison. Once his father was free, he would find Kate and Gavin and leave the core for good. Hopefully they would never find anyone to carry out their terrible plan. She led him through the laboratory and back into the library. The man was standing at the map table studying the parchment. He looked up as they drew near and came around the table to meet them. 
You were correct this time, the woman said. I will agree and let this one execute the plan. We have delayed long enough, and the gatehouse continues to send new recruits. He needs to rest first and be refreshed, the man said. Come with me. We have a place prepared for you. Corvin looked to the man. First, I need to find a young boy who is down here trying to help my father. His name is Gavin, and he does not speak. The woman responded, I wish I had good news for you. Our scouts found a boy like that out in the ruined city, but he was seriously injured. Sometimes the younger Rakash will chase other creatures and kill them with rocks. She paused. We tried to nurse him back to health, but he had lost too much blood. He died shortly before you arrived. Corvin's knees buckled and he leaned heavily against the table. How could Gavin be dead? He had just seen the small boy in the vision from the broken mirror glass. I can see you were very close to him. The man took Corvin by the arm. Come and have something to eat. You must regain your strength if we are to save your father from the Rakash. Corvin followed along. The man was right. He needed to stay focused on rescuing his father. He would have time to think about Gavin once they were out of the core. The man led him across the main library and up a set of steep stairs to a small room where a clay jar and a plate of biscuits sat on the floor by a sleeping mat. I will come back for you when it is time to leave. What about my lizard guide? I need him along with me. That is not a good idea. Your watcher is already fading back to his original state. The potion they received to heighten their awareness no longer exists, and that is a good thing, for their kind are not part of the natural order. To preserve our race, we must trust only those of our own kind. It would be best if he stayed here with our guide while you go to rescue your father. The man left the room and Corvin sat on the floor. It was true that Sarek was not doing well. The lizard had tried the fluid from the Rakash cell, but that had affected him strangely. Perhaps Sarek would be safer if he stayed here with his mentor. On the other hand, he didn't like the thought of going on by himself. He was too tired to eat, but his mouth felt dry. He sniffed the jar, then touched a finger to the liquid. It was juice from Illumian fruit, but with all the experimenting these people were doing, he decided not to drink it. Corvin tried to fall asleep, but his thoughts kept returning to Gavin. The boy was the closest thing to a brother he had ever known. Was he going to lose his entire family to the Corps? He needed to find his father and Kate and return them home as soon as possible. When he finally dozed off, it was only to enter a nightmare world where he was searching for his father in a vast plain of dead bodies. Each time he turned a body over, he would expect to see the face of his father, but it would change to the sightless face of the Rakash boy from the pit, twisted in agony. Suddenly, one of the Rakash boys grabbed his shoulders in a death grip. Corvin tried to wrench himself away, but the Rakash refused to let him go. The boy's nails dug into him and he began to beg, Wake up, Corvin. Please wake up. Corvin forced his eyes open and found Sarek kneeling over him, shaking his shoulders. I have found Gavin, Sarek said.